Today's guest, Jacob Eckeberger, is joining me to talk about his very intentional walk into transformation through the exploration of wellness and what it really meant to be well, to maintain wellness, more than just healthy eating and a bit of exercise. His journey is a really encouraging and inspiring one. And along the way, we talk about understanding really the difference between passion and purpose and how that pivot in his understanding of those two things has really led to a lot more freedom as he journeys towards wellness. I think you'll appreciate the framework that he brings and the tools that he's using to have that conversation. Welcome to the show. Are you thirsty for inspiration and curious about the life-changing process of transformation? Welcome to The Transformationist. Whether you already know the transformation you're looking for or you're looking for guidance on the way there, these stories of hope will give you practical tips, plenty of encouragement and an invitation into real, life-giving transformation, whether you're transforming culture or becoming more yourself. Your story is welcome here. On this week's episode of The Transformationist, I absolutely love hearing stories of people going through their own transformative work. And it looks different for everybody. The motivations are different for each person that stumbles into a process or very intentionally walks into a process of transformation. But I love hearing these stories. And so when Jacob reached out and was like, here's this amazing stuff that I'm doing in my life, I immediately knew that I wanted him to come and share his story and his journey with you guys, the transformationist community. So welcome, my friend, Jacob Ekeberger. How are you today? Oh, I'm great. And Natasha, it is seriously any excuse to get to chat with you, get to like unpack (laughs) life stories or solve world problems. uh, I'm excited about. So I'm, I'm thrilled to be here. Oh, you are so kind. Many, many (laughs) kindness points right there. (laughs) I'll I'll keep Uh, it going. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, so um, tell tell us a a little bit about you and who you are and where you find yourself in the world so that we can orient ourselves into your story oh sure yeah so um, I'm Jacob I I live in Minneapolis Minnesota with my wife and three-year-old dinosaur slash son and we are (laughs) we're welcoming uh, our newest addition to our family here in the next couple of weeks so uh, life is in the midst of serious transition and those things. But, um, you know, I grew up uh, in um, a a pastor's family. So my dad was a youth pastor. Um, Ever since college and beyond, I've been involved in um, ministries and organizations that serve uh, interdenominationally. So lots of different churches, lots of different denominations. And uh, that's what I do today, too. So I work for an organization, a nonprofit uh, based out of Minneapolis, uh, called YouthWorks. Uh, we do short-term mission trips for teenagers, and so I get to help solve problems and uh, lead a couple of teams that uh, handle church partnership relationships and stuff uh, all along the way. So, um, so yeah, quick synopsis of me. I liked it. My story. <laughs> that was the fastest I've ever done that. It was good. It was right. Like you got, you got in the major facts, the major plot points. Perfect. It was great. Yeah. Um, so 
Here's the thing. A few, uh, I guess it was a few months ago now, mm. I saw a Facebook post and you were talking about how you were entering into a real season of intentionality mm. that I would, just by, you know, from outside observation, would describe as, oh, you're totally in a transformation period. Mm. You're in a transformative journey right now. Um, but but you spoke about having kind of chosen this theme around well-being and wanting yeah. to really dive in and understand what aspects of well-being could mean for you in your life. Um, mm. And so can you tell me a little bit about that that genesis and, and yeah. why you wanted to dive into this kind of journey? Oh, sure. Yeah. So, you know, for me, uh, it came out of kind of a culmination of about a year's worth of my own processing of um, some career job change stuff where I was working in an organization that if you talk about the dream situation where you're doing work that aligns with what you feel like is quote unquote your purpose, passion, all of that stuff with like an actual job that pays you to do it. <laughs> like that's, that's where I was in. And then that organization got acquired, was purchased. And I all of a sudden was thrust into this world of, uh, oh my goodness, I, I'm not able to do that anymore. Um, but in the chaos of that acquisition and transitioning into a new organization and taking on a leadership role of that new organization and trying to fix a lot of work with a team to fix a lot of problems and issues. Um, it, uh, it sent me into about a year's worth of a process where I was not pursuing my well-being in the best ways. <laughs> I would, yeah. If that makes sense. So uh, there's a, there's a pub here in Minneapolis called Merlin's Rest, and I got to know a couple bartenders really well. Uh, and <laughs> there was not that, I mean, I'm talking to the whiskey girl. So like, uh, it's, it's not from that perspective, but it's from like just the realization that I started kind of jamming down this like um, these issues that were all related to this, this sense of recognizing that I, I, I walked through a little bit of, trauma like a little bit of life trauma and uh, any sort of big shift like that um being able to like formally recognize that and create space to formally recognize that is critical um uh, but i didn't do that i was so focused on just like meeting the needs of other people and of this new organization and everything that was like right in front of me um and because of that i kind of pushed my own pursuit of well-being to the side uh, and mm. it, it just created a really unhealthy um, view of myself, like internally, it created a really unhealthy like view of what my role was to be in the world. And even it started affecting like my marriage and my parenting of, of our of our kid and relationships, all that stuff. And and so for me, uh, partially, it I, I, I started this pursuit because. I started, you know, with the basics of, gosh, uh, I haven't been eating healthy. I've been drinking too much. Like I've been going down um, and just not taking care of uh, those sort of core essentials. And it helps with my wife as a health coach. So like being able to check that box is good. But I, I also started to recognize that my well-being is more than just the physical health of my body. Um, mm -hmm. and it has, it has to be, cause that stuff, 
I mean, on one hand, like you, you do have control, but on the other hand, that control can be taken away by things that you can't control, right? Or genetics play into it in a way that you literally have no control over it. So there's, there's things like that, that like I'm in a privileged position where I can, I can choose to take that ownership of my body and get into a very physically healthy situation. But I also recognize how easily that could be taken away. So I just felt like there has to be a deeper, deeper sense of uh, well-being. Uh, and so I got to it through on an honest round of uh, Google searches <laughs> for, my, for myself, because that's that's where it all comes back down to, right? Uh, our, Google, our teachers, absolutely. Right. Our, our, our teachers and philosophers are all share a name. And that's Google. And so mm-hmm. for, for me, I, I landed on the University of Minnesota has a school of like spirituality and um, well-being. And in this school, they, they got a grant a couple of years ago to produce like an outward facing class that whether you're a part of the school or not, you can like take these free courses um, that walk you through a pursuit of well-being and they break it down in a way that i never heard before um if if there's anyone out there like listening that's that has a clinical like psychological background i'm sure this is like old hat but for me it was new and it broke it down into six pieces one was health the second one was relationships third is security fourth is purpose fifth is community and sixth is environment and the idea is if if all or at least the majority of those are considered like are, are being operated in in a in a in a good way and like a uh, ideal way, then you're achieving well-being that's like way beyond just your physical health. Like it touches on your emotional, your spiritual, communal, um, all of these things. Uh, and the thing I loved about it, honestly, was. You know, I, I, in, in my life, I have a lot of friends that come from lots of different backgrounds and have different accessibilities to different things. And, and some of them are in financial situations where they can join gyms, where they can be a part of like health programs that cost, you know, hundreds of dollars a month. Others, that's not realistic. Um, and so for them, they have to pursue health in other ways. And even in the midst of that, I have friends that are um, doing incredible things that seem like they've found a good sense of well-being for their life, but they are confined to a wheelchair or they're walking through um, the depths of like the, the worst case scenarios of cancer in their own body. And they're having to figure out what does my well-being look like if health is something I can't control, like if the physical health mm. of my body is something I can't control. So that's wow. been like a part of my pursuit with it. But, um, and then that kind of brought me to where I think you and I started connecting around this stuff. Yeah. So there's, I mean, there's, there's so much in that, that I want to explore. And so I'm hopeful that we'll get a chance to, um, to dive and touch into many of those spaces. But yeah. um, I, I want to go back uh, if we can to the season before you entered into the the intentionality and kind of stumbled into these six principles of, of wellness mm-hmm. um, because I'm really I'm fascinated I sent you a link to my quiz the other day um, where yeah. I talk about, which is the transformation archetypes and what's so interesting to me is that as you were describing what was happening 
I was just seeing because you 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 came out on that quiz as the action hero archetype, mm-hmm. didn't you? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so as you were describing both the circumstance of before, so you know that period mm-hmm. of time of um, immense change and stress and insecurity in terms of work and life and and then trying to manage all of that stuff, I was just hearing the action hero side of you in full <laughs> roar. And then what's so interesting is that as soon as, um, as soon as you started talking about uh, wanting to, um, wanting to pay attention then to the, to the wellbeing side of it, wanting to turn your attention from the external, which tends to be where the action hero goes first, right? Like, mm. okay, what's outside of me that I can, that I can fix, that I can solve, that I can take some sort of action on. Um, mm. But then as soon as you you made that transition so beautifully to, okay, now that I've actually realized I need to pay attention to what's happening internally within me, you mm. then leap straight into action. Mm. <laughs> <And> now, which, <laughs> which, which I just love because, I mean, one of the elements and what I think one of the reasons why I recognize this as as a as what I would call transformationist work is that is that you have you, you've found yourself in a place of external and internal realignment needing to happen, mm. um, but you've dived in you've do, dived into it in a way that's um, that's not necessarily the same way that other people would. Um, mm. That's my reflection anyway. But um, sure. what was when you were diving into when you were when you were diving into Google searches and and starting yeah. to look at okay how do I how do I figure out the thing that I'm going to do what was the primary outcome that you were looking for um, like mm. did you have in mind like an idea of what it was that you wanted to to change about how life was or was it more nebulous than that No, it was more of it it was it was. Um, it was much more like undis- it felt much more undiscovered and like blurry lines and like I kind of had a sense of what was disjointed and disconnected in myself. But um, I really felt like if I'm if I'm going to figure it out, um, part of the process of growth is just stopping long enough to like look closely at yourself and learn about who you are in that moment, because we all hope that we will always be the same exact person, <laughs> you know, in life. Some t- well, maybe that's a poor statement. Maybe not everybody does. Maybe everybody <laughs> sees the value in change, but like if the world in my mind, it would be, it would be amazing to always count on my, you know, dreams being the exact same, my like feelings being the, ex- the exact same. But the reality is they change on a daily basis. <laughs> I feel like, and, and I have struggled with that in the past. And so I just, I, uh, I just know that if I'm going to step into a season of growth, like the very first thing that comes along with my step is, uh, running a parallel course of like introspection of self-evaluation along the way. And I think it's a key to like, to do it as you move and not, not like sit, you know, on the floor for three or six months, do that introspection and then move. Because if you do that, like you're kind of doing it in a bubble and you're, you're not having that like practical, you know, because a lot of people, a lot of people, I feel like they, they get frozen because they feel like, well, I know things need to change or I know I need to stop and do this, but um, I, it's just not a good time. or 
before <laughs> before I take that before I figure out what my dream is going to be, I got to like make sure I carve out all the time to investigate and like all that stuff. And the reality is just do stuff. Like do what you, <laughs> do what you need to do and do the self like reflection, introspection alongside it. And I mean, being able to develop those things externally is I think way more telling of who you actually are and what you actually want to do because you're forced with like real life situations with it. So I was looking for something I could do parallel with everything else that was going on in my life. So um, like in a lot of ways, some of my favorite like people to learn from are people who are in sort of parallel industries or parallel like paths in life, not necessarily on the same one, but like, that you could easily draw connections to, you know, because mm-hmm. it's just a, it's a slightly different perspective. It's a slightly different way of viewing it. And that's, that's the way that I do my own like personal learning too, is I kind of step into stuff I've, I haven't really looked at before, but that could easily tie in. And so the pursuit of health was, was an easy tie in for me because I, um, I knew I needed to, sync up a really busy chaotic schedule with like figuring out how do I eat healthy, you know, (laughs) along the way, how do I not just like go to what's convenient? How do I take control of over that, um, in my life and the pursuit of relationships was really parallel for me too, because I was shifting into a season where like we moved to a new location and are starting friendship from scratch. So like being it intentionally, like, go out and force myself to like connect with people over coffee that I would have never reached out to before just for the sake of like, I'm in this commitment to find good relationships and figure out what that is or to like commit to it long term. And and the same thing with security. And now I'm actually like wrapping up a month of like my own focus of purpose and being able to do that alongside the work I'm doing that has never that, like since my transition from my previous job with my previous organization didn't really feel like it was an alignment of purpose, but this, this month focus of it for me has like unpacked this realization that maybe my definition of purpose is wrong. (laughs) maybe, Maybe I started with the wrong expectation of purpose. You know, it's kind of like you put expectations on a, on a partner or a spouse, but you never explain to them what their expectations are and then you're disappointed they don't meet them and it's like well you should, you should just set it in the first place and it would have been easier you know yeah um, if we if we could eliminate unspoken expectation from the world i think there, there would be a lot of less complicated uh, components right. of life on planet earth oh my gosh uh, but then like things like dr oz or like dr phil wouldn't exist and what would we do without those types of stories right <laughs> I, I think i would be fine to be honest <laughs> Okay, so let's 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 do the recap. So you, because I think one of the parts that's interesting of this is that you 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 in taking this very intentional. Okay, I'm going to do the internal reflection alongside some some action and activity mm-hmm. in life, um, and uh, so you broke it down. Uh, in this Facebook post for everybody to see, and I mm-hmm. saw it, and I was like, oh, this is really interesting. Um, mm-hmm. So, so you spent the first month, did you, did you kind of take like a, okay, each month I'm going to have a different focus. I'm going to focus on one of these kind of principles of, of being and then flesh yeah. out some ideas around it. Okay. Well, can yeah. you, can you give us the quick step through, um, can you give us the quick step through, you know, any key highlights that came out of each of those month long mm. focuses? 
Yeah. Yeah. So like, well, and, and for me, like I intentionally put a month like timeline on each of them to force myself to deal with it and not like push it off or not try to get, get it perfect by the end of that month, but just recognize that an end date is coming (laughs) and I'm going to move on to the next one. So I got to just finish it. I got to like push through and put these deadlines on it. So like for me on the health side, the thing that was so um, eye-opening for me was um, as a part of my pursuit of health, I also reached out to a bunch of people that I really love and respect that are coming from very different walks of life. Everyone from like, and like an MMA fighter (laughs) and like physical trainer to, um, someone who, uh, works, uh, he's, he's quadriplegic and he works for agencies that create, um, uh, you know, fair and welcoming environments for people with varying disabilities to somebody who is walking through this the second bout of cancer and it is not going well and just getting their definitions of like what health means. Mm. And, and for me, it really is this, like, uh, like I came out of my month of health, number one, like on the practical side, like way healthier. Like I, I, I focused on like what I, how I was, how I was fueling my body and all that stuff. But it came from a sense of like recognizing how much of a, um, celebration it is of what my body can do and less about like, Oh, I want to like, I want to lose 20 pounds or I want to lose 30 pounds so that like I fit this ideal stereotype of what I'm supposed to look like. Mm. Like it was much more about like, there are seasons in life that I will come into where I lose control of my health, not because of I, I'm eating McDonald's every day, but like because things in life take it away from me. And so this season I'm in, like I want I want to celebrate it and live into it and let it be something that like I get to truly enjoy. Whereas like before I just wasn't, I wasn't doing that well. So that was, that was good for me because like the coaching I got from, from my friends who were either born in a way that they, their physical health just isn't, isn't, isn't like mine or were having their physical health taken away by disease. Their recommendation was like, don't make it everything. Like it's important, but at the end of the day, like you have to find hope outside of it and, um, peace outside of it. And so that really spun me into like the second month of relationships, which was starting to recognize like, you know, as an adult where like you're outside of, you know, a school setting or in a work environment setting where like you're kind of, you get forced relationships that you, Mm -hmm. you sort of, it creates a bit of safety. So you have to go out and like find them somewhere like that, that allowed me to focus on like, who are the people that I want in my life? Who are the people that I I want in my life? Either because I just really respect and love what they do. Their perspective challenges me. Um, I, they've been a mentor from a distance of mine for a long time. And now I want them to be a, you know, a a monthly call type mentor, you know, that sort of thing. Mm. Uh, As well as like recognizing that my part of, part of the way that I understand um, this pursuit of well-being is when I get to like connect it with other people and help other people like unpack it with me. And so whether it's people who are already on this pursuit or aren't yet like being able to do it 
alongside them uh, a little bit has been really, really great because the, the shared like common passions that come out of that and interests that come out of that are what have sort of created some of these really strong relationships. Um, you know, um, in last week's episode of uh, The Transformationist, I was talking mm-hmm. with uh, Timothy Eldred. Um, oh, yeah. And- and he uh, he and I spoke about the problem of aloneness. And one of mm. the things that we touched on is this idea of like, how do you have, how do you form, how do you keep, how do you have good relationships with people that actually mm. are part of nurturing yourself? Is there anything that um, is there anything that that stands out for you, or that's that's particular to you about about the intentionality of creating relationships or, or knowing yeah. how relationships feed into your overall mm-hmm. well-being? Yeah. So for me, like my, my pursuit of it um, kind of solidified some things in my mind that I thought were key for like finding well-balanced relationships. And I mean, the first big one is um, I don't want to look at, you know, the, my list of text messages in my phone and realize that every single person I've been communicating with on a regular basis is exactly like me, has the exact same background, you know, that doesn't challenge me to view things differently, that doesn't hold me accountable to things. And so like I've intentionally tried to force myself into situations where I'm more of a minority voice um, mm. rather than the, the, you know, vast majority so that I have to be quiet, (laughs) you know, like I have to listen first and, and I have to be willing to like, uh, to be uncomfortable, um, in order for me to learn and for me to grow. And a lot of times that's produced really, really strong relationships with people who I would have never expected, but that help challenge me to grow in ways. And it's, it's produced really rich friendships, um, that are well beyond just like the latest Marvel movie that I love, right? Like, like you need those friends <laughs> that will like nerd out with you and go do those things. But at the same time, like, um, I really have come to appreciate friends who see things very differently than me that, um, are in it with me to create a safe space where they can be themselves. I can be myself and we can hold tension together um, because that to me is a healthy relationship. Not that like, like there will never be rocky waters. Like that is unhealth to me. Cause that means that like things are getting hidden, things are being talked about. But like, if you're, if you're in a relationship with somebody who, who creates tension and then at the end of it says like, regardless, like it's like, I love you and I, and I care about you. Like that's a, that's a healthy uh, in my mind, that's that's like a healthy ideal, um, in the best of ways. Yeah, not a did, manipulative way, you know. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Um, did it translate? Did it translate to your? Um, did it translate to your to your marriage? To your relationship with your wife during that month while you were thinking about uh, relationships in such an intentional way? Yeah, yeah. So um, I, uh, I'm not going to say my Enneagram type, but like, uh, it <laughs> probably will be obvious. But w- what's like unique about Katie and I's relationship, my, my wife and I's relationship, um, is that like she and I are, are sort of compatible, but also sort of very different. Um, and so for, for me, there are times when it is way easier for me to just like, 
shut down and just like not talk about things um, just to try and smooth things over. Um, when in actuality, the healthiest thing <laughs> is for me to actually ramp that up and to choose to like fight that, do the emotional labor of like fighting that like urge to just shut down and just to agree or just to like create peace, you know, where there's mm -hmm. like tension because that is my commitment to a healthier relationship. If I choose, if I choose to overcome and fight that and do that emotional labor to like, to, to be uncomfortable and be willing to like, live in a state of like unrest, <laughs> you know, in order to make sure that she sees fully who I am and fully who my, um, what my thoughts are, what my perspective is. Um, that is a way health that's created a way healthier partnership between her and I, than me shutting down saying, okay, yep. You know, whatever, like whatever you say, we'll do it. And then be miserable or bitter you know, later on, because my mm. opinion isn't, you know, being, being included or whatever, because again, the, I've created the expectation when I shut down and say, okay, fine, whatever. I've created the expectation then that my opinion in that area doesn't matter as much. So it, unless if I intentionally communicate that, like, I don't want to talk about this right now because I'm in an un unhealthy situation. Um, then there's no other reason why she should think that like, oh, Jacob doesn't actually care as much about this thing as I do, so we'll just do this. And then the next time it comes up, it's the default of, oh, well, Jacob doesn't care as much about this thing, so we'll just do this. Um, and so it's for me, it's been that like really like trusting um, our relationship enough that it can withstand my honesty um mm, in, the, mm -hmm. in the midst of all of that and that i'll still be safe i'll still be loved like at the at, before i ever say anything you know um she and i are in it with each other um so that regardless of what's said uh we know we're both in that safe place Hey there transformationists, you've heard us talking in this episode about the action hero transformation archetype and in previous shows like with Al Campbell, episode 2 this season, we talked about the experimental scientist. If you are curious to know what your transformation archetype is, the good news is you can. It's quick, takes about 5 minutes. Head to thetransformationist.org forward slash types. There you can take the quiz, find out more about your transformation archetype and if you like, I can send you some helpful tips about how you can tackle change your strengths and the obstacles you might face along the way. That's it for now. Back to the episode. Don't you think it's such a paradox that that in our most intimate of relationships, uh, those are the ones that actually we can often struggle to bring our truest selves to? You know, the idea yeah. that you're so deeply invested in this woman and this relationship mm. and the life that you're building together. And yet you can still be struck down with the fear or the insecurity of bringing your whole self to it and therefore right. lose the opportunity of precious kind of intimacy and acceptance that's right in front of you. I mean, it's yeah. just, it's, it's paradoxical, paradoxical to me that we, that we, that we, uh, so um, 
it's so possible, so easy for us as human beings to actually mm. disregard the intentionality of um, of our marriages, of our of our um, partnerships uh, in mm. that way. It's just because we we sometimes I think maybe we just don't want to do the work, or it feels yeah. somehow harder and more vulnerable in that space than it does anywhere else. You know, the number of people yeah. who are totally willing to have confrontational, difficult conversations with their workmates, but don't mm. want to don't want to have the same conversation at home with the person that actually you know they love more than anyone else in the world. It's it's funny to me, right? And you know, and I don't know if it's. I don't know if this is true of everybody, but I know for me, like when, when I give in and like choose not to fight, like I'm, I'm, I'm hiding, like I'm hiding my truest self and my honest self and my honest feelings. And when like, I didn't realize it until after we had our first kid, but you know, Katie and I were married 10 years before we got um, uh, we got pregnant with Owen and, um, life was busy then, but, uh, it became really obvious how much I was hiding when, when our son was in our life, um, because of the exhaustion that comes along with like having a kid on top of like busy work schedules and stuff. And it's, you so- don't have any energy for those filters anymore. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Yeah. Like all of a sudden, all these things like pour out when a kid hasn't been sleeping for four months. Right. So there's like all of these things, but what it's really helped me sort of unpack is the way that for me personally, um, one of the ways that I create peace is I choose to hide behind a busy schedule. I choose to hide behind the attention I need to give Owen rather than the the attention I should give Katie. Um, I choose to hide behind you know, the, the conveniences of like TV (laughs) late at night when I should be having these difficult conversations. So I find all these methods of hiding away from my, to avoid that emotional labor of dealing with this stuff. And it gets tricky when it's like recognizing that, oh my goodness, it's way easier to expend energy on hanging out with my kid and taking care of my kid than it is to have a difficult conversation with my wife. Mm. Like hiding there is like a whole new letter level of like mind mess mm-hmm. <laughs> that happens. Like, cause it's, you unpack like all of that and, and have to do that work of like, what does this mean? Like how, how am I utilizing or manipulating the convenience of the difficulty of this relationship? or of being a parent to avoid the difficulties of the relationship with my spouse. Mm -hmm. I I, I don't know. (laughs) I I mean, I I think, I think it's, that's a human condition, but it it is also, (laughs) it is also something that, that in particular, um, that the action hero archetype, you know, does, does wrestle with a little Mm. more than anything else, because that particular challenge of, of the, the, the ease with which, you know, the ease with which you can slip into the external activity around as a way of dist- mm. distracting or detracting or avoiding the internal is th- mm. that's something, you know, versus on the other end of the spectrum, you know, people who can so easily, and you were kind of talking about it before, um, you know, the philosophers and the, and the spiritualists up the other end of the spectrum can hide within the internal. 
um, mm. to avoid that to avoid the external you know action that's required. Mm. So 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 we're all on the spectrum there somewhere of hiding and avoiding, yeah. and and we just find <laughs> different ways of doing it, right? <laughs> I love I love how like you've been able to connect all these pieces of humanity together in this. I'm, and and I I mean I've never I've never considered myself an action hero type person, but I'll take it. <laughs> Because you say it, I'll take it. <laughs> well, it's it's more to do with it's more to do with the the way that you find yourself in processes of transformation and change, oh, and sure, in scenarios sure, yeah. of change, right? Um, sure. So you know, and I think I think to that end, you know, clearly you are you're someone who's more mo- who's always going to end up being more motivated to do something, whether it's mm. you know whatever it is. Um, so yeah. so let's talk then about um about month number three, um because mm. relationships was huge. Um, so yeah. let's talk yeah. about month number three and and the idea of security. Mm. Yeah, you know, and for me, there's each of these are like really flowed well into each other and and um security was closely tied to for me was closely tied to relationships because um so much of my life has been anchored around the people in my life um and so uh the the way that I started to approach it was from one instance like what would need to change like what would need to go away for me to start losing that sense of security because I, I feel very secure like in and who I am um and um you know where what my role sort of can be in life now like the, the iteration of that is where insecurity comes sometimes like like what it needs to be in this season and what it could be in that season all of that um and so it, what I appreciate about this is that it's it's less about like financial security for me which like some people would translate that into financial security but for me i just personally went to like outside of that stuff for where i'm at like relationally where do i find that sense of security where do i walk into those conversations and know before i ever perform before i ever achieve anything that i am like welcomed that i am loved regardless because i mean the reality is like i i i mean i'm i'm not a i'm not a any sort of name right like i don't have any sort of recognition um i show up just as many times in google as everyone else would show up in google so it's like it's that sort of thing that like for me i started to find security in knowing who those people were in my life that could reflect that sense of security back to me and remind me of that. Um, and that's just personally where I'm at right now in this, um, this kind of discovery of what it means. Um, eventually I'll have to deal with the fact that what happens when those people go away, (laughs) right. Right. Or when I need to like, when I need to like, um, transition out of some of those relationships or if they pass away or or whatever it is there's all these pieces that um i need to anchor myself in but i I used to try and get a sense of security from um figuring out how much i can achieve as if like building up this like list of 
like names that are like important or like work things that are important or um, life achievements that are important as a way of creating a sense of security. Um, and I had to wrestle with some of those at the very beginning um, of that month, but because because I was going into it so focused on relationships, I think that helped me get through a lot of that stuff really quickly to get to like a deeper sense of regardless of what what bigger like small things I accomplish in my life, that my life has value, that my life has purpose, um, that I am worth you know everything just the, just the same regardless of what's in my bank account or what titles on my job or, or you know who um you know famous or not will answer my phone call you know all of those things mm-hmm. um the one thing i would say is that if i could if, if i could get on natasha's podcast then i'll then i'll have that achievement I've been wanting. So. <laughs> so this is it. So thank you for doing that. That's the one thing, the one caveat I had. Um, but yeah, I mean, honestly, like security, I, I don't know if it was supposed, I'm sure it's different for everybody, but for me, it wasn't quite, quite as impactful. Like I felt like halfway through the month, I was like, all right, I can move on. Like I, I feel good right now. And so I kind of had to like intentionally like draw it out and make sure like, is this like, am I hiding again? <laughs> you know, am I, am I running from some sort of internal emotional labor because it felt like it, it went so easily. Mm. Um, uh, but the, the month I just wrapped up around purpose was the, was another like really difficult one, kind of like health, um, for me. Uh, but, but yeah. Well, so let's talk about, let's talk about purpose because, you know, when you were sure. introducing yourself and, you know, your story, uh, in many respects, the job that you have now um, would sound to a lot of people like, oh, this is, this is a great job that's full of purpose and full of meaning. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, you know, they might assume that the foundation is, is sort of set there, regardless of what their own um, spiritual or religious perspectives might be there's something Mm. about when you tick the boxes of not-for-profit and working with young people and the idea of mission or service kind of trips that 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 seems like those ideas or those words seem kind of imbued with meaning that has Mm. virtue and um, value associated with it but um, purpose is often a little bit bigger than that Um, we can find ourselves involved in all sorts of meaningful activity that don't necessarily connect as deeply with the idea of purpose in our identity um, and in mm. our and in our being. Those are my reflect- reflective questions going into then asking mm. you, talk to me then about this this month of purpose and exploring what purpose means for you um, as a person. Yeah, yeah. So, so for me. Um, I uh, I actually started out the month going back to uh, a TED talk by Terry Trespicio, which I, I'm sure I butchered that name, so uh, I apologize. Uh, but she had a TED talk on um, it was titled "Stop Searching for Your Passion," um, and the reason why I I went towards that TED talk is because when I first watched it a couple of years ago, it like it it frustrated me because I felt like she didn't get it. Like I felt like she didn't see it the way that I saw it. Um, but I went back to this Ted talk because, um, 
passion, when, when I think about my purpose, I think it's, it's actually that alignment of like, uh, well, I used to define it as the alignment of our passion meeting the world's need, like that creates our purpose. Um, but what I started to like wrestle with was what if, what if our, what if we don't just have one passion? Like what, what if our passion changes? Like, does that mean our purpose changes or, or, or is our passion more like undefined? Like, is there just one passion for everybody? And, and if it changes, does that mean your passion is less valuable than somebody's who, you know, so there's all of these questions around that. So for me, I kind of like anchored my, my pursuit of understanding what purpose means to me based off of like uncovering some of like really two myths that I've like, uh, I came to believe about passion. And, and one was, is that there's, there's just one of them, that there's just one passion and that the passion will always be the same for your entire life. And, and the second one is that that passion has to be found, uncovered, uh, you know, discovered before life or work is meaningful. And, and when I go back and like watch Terry's Ted talk, I, I'm, in that perspective, I, I all of a sudden have like turned 180 degrees and I'm like, I'm resonating with her because the season of life that I walked through um, two years ago, I was in a, in an organization doing an exact job that was like that perfect alignment of how I had always been defining my passion, um, meeting the world's need, creating that purpose. And then when that job went away, all of a sudden I wasn't able to do that passion, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, anymore. So I felt like my, my purpose wobbled and, um, and that, that is what really caused the concern in my life of like, what if that happens again? Like, I, I don't like the idea of not being in control of my purpose. Like that sounds dangerous. <laughs> you know, like if you, if you gift, um, that control to someone or something else, um, and anchor that in a job or in a person and that job goes away or that person goes away or whatever your your purpose disappears too and i just i kind of found myself in that situation and and so i was trying to trying to understand do some like retroactive like looking back on a year where i felt like my purpose had like been decimated or like Mm. torn apart um and then putting it back together and so i mean it there's in my mind like when you when i got when i when i can get rid and i i use present tense because i'm i'm still in the midst of transformation with this and um so i hope that's okay (laughs) (laughs) but but like you know if if i address like that first myth myth of there just being one like passion um, that results in one purpose. Um, then I, I look at everything else in my life that like that runs again on a parallel plane um, and see how untrue that is. You know, I, I look at my own in my own faith story. Um, I had you know a, a like singular moment earlier on in my life that I came to know um, my uh, my faith and spirituality in a new way. Um, but then, and I thought that was it, and that I will forever be changed from that point forward. But the reality was, 
two years later, I had just as important, like I had another pivotal moment that was just as important in my faith. And then 10 years later, it, it was another pivotal moment. It was just as important. And that doesn't mean that my faith at either point along the way is less valuable or wasn't real. Um, it just means that I needed my faith perspective to change. And, and that sort of like revelation, that eye-opening that happens happens in our passions too. And, and, and especially when you um, free yourself up from this notion of just like having one passion in life that you have to uncover um, that like helps respond to that. For me, that second myth of like the passion has to be found first before everything you do is meaningful Um, because that frees you up to, to figure out, um, what can be meaningful now? Like what, what work can you do that's important now, regardless of where you're at? Like, and and then your passion kind of comes along with it. Once you recognize and once you put meaning into the work that you do, regardless of what it is, um, that can be, you know, a part of what creates that spark for passion. And so your, your pursuit of those things, um, don't have to happen like like your passion doesn't have your pursuit of passion doesn't have to happen first but it can happen along the way again like like as you move as you do it like whatever it is as you're doing it you can find your passion as you start to meet real needs and be like crazy generous when there's an opportunity to be generous and and um respond to uh anybody's you know um need around you and being able to 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 meet that fully with who you are, to pour your attention into it, to fix real problems, you know, whether that's organizationally, whether it's you know dealing with systemic issues like in communities or whatever it is, if you meet a real problem, somebody <laughs> will notice, and and people noticing that and and connecting it back to the work that you did can create the passion that you've been searching for um that then like fulfills that purpose so that was a whole lot (laughs) Natasha. it was but it was good it was good (laughs) i'm glad i'm glad i'm glad that you think so (laughs) it's that's where if it's helpful to know like what state my brain is in at the end of each of these months (laughs) that's like the state it's just like this overwhelming kind of flood of thoughts that I'm trying to, I'm not saying that like I have it figured out, but I'm saying I've got a new perspective now that I'm going to piece together along the way. Um, Because I believe that like when you do that, that's what creates real purpose um, rather than trying to build a box for your life to fit in. And then you spend all of your life building that box and you don't ever have any time to enjoy it and be in that box. So like build it as you go, right? Like mm-hmm. figure it out as you go. Um, yeah. Anyway, <laughs> I'll stop. <laughs> no, I mean, I, 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 there's so much in that that I think is, is meaningful for a wide variety of people. The first thing that mm-hmm. I want to do um, is talk about 
how hopeful it makes me, that that shift in perspective and the way mm. that you've been able to articulate it, how hopeful it makes me for, um, you know, the, the, the musicians and the photographers and mm. the, the artists and, you know, people of particularly, I think, in, in a millennial and a Gen Y generation who have been, mm. you know, sold in addition perhaps to that mythology around you have to find your passion before you can find before you can apply it to meaningful work, you know, mm. that there is also a, a vast generation of people who um, have been, who have been sold or have bought into or are chasing the idea of having to turn their passion into their livelihood, that, that mm. somehow the thing that you're passionate about should also be the thing that you, um, that you devote all of your life into and give all of your energy into. Um, when actually I think purpose is a much is a much richer and broader thing or value to attach yourself to than just passion because passion can change just yeah. like you said there can be more than one um, mm-hmm. and and the things that that motivate and drive us as 20 year olds will be different from the things that that motivate and drive us or even the needs in the world that we recognize when we're 30 and 40 mm-hmm. and 50 in the same way that our ability, our skill sets, our resources to be able to respond to those things also changes yeah. as we move through life. So so it makes me really hopeful that mm. that, that shift in perspective, um, you know, might actually be, it might be key for somebody unlocking um, some kind of new hope or new perspective um, as they move through. The, the second thing for me is just how deeply I empathize with that story having and I think so mm. many of us do um and if you think about the traditional trajectory of your average western young person um going mm. to high school being encouraged to um and obviously there's multiple layers within that but but particularly within um you know within uh even you know low to media to to mid socioeconomic kind of groups this idea that you'll you'll go to high school you'll figure out what your good at because you're good Mm. at it you better be passionate about it and want to do it and then you'll go to college or you'll go to and do an apprenticeship but you'll you'll learn how to do that thing well and then you'll get a job Mm. doing that thing and your whole life will just be structured around um around that one idea that you that you mm. set out pursuing, you know, really at a time often, you know, if you think about people who are in there, um, and I'm a youth worker and you're a youth worker, so we can't help but mm. code into these channels. But right. if you think about right. all of the all of the um the the brain chaos and development that's happening between the ages of sixteen and twenty-five, when so many of mm. these key decisions are being made, um, it doesn't surprise me that John Mayer then you know, wrote a song about a quarter life crisis because you, you get out of all of that stuff and then all of a sudden realize that maybe the plan that you had for your life, um, you know, the passion that you were chasing or the job that was, you know, the thing um, is maybe not going to work anymore. And yeah. that, so, so the empathy that I have, and I've been, I've been in that situation too, where, you know, the, the mm. job that I had for 10 years that I, that I, that I would have called both my passion and my purpose, you know, um, mm. then all of a sudden one day it went away. And yeah. uh, I, I liked what you, what you said in terms of um, calling it a purpose wobble, that, you're, that your purpose wobbled. Because mm. <laughs> I, yeah. I think that's interesting. What happens, what was your experience when your purpose wobbled, mm. what happened in your life as a result? 
Yeah. Well, you know, it's, I'm going to lean into my action hero type (laughs) that I've been unpacking ever since I took your, uh, your, your, uh, uh, personality quiz thing. Um, so for me, uh, when that wobble happens, happens, like I, for, I personally just jumped right into like, I worked harder than I ever worked before, spent more hours trying to solve problems and like, just figure out what the, what the, what the biggest like need was right in front of me. What was the most critical, Mm. the most on fire and just meet that and just like fix that first. And, um, for me, um, I, I just didn't do it in a healthy way, uh, because I, I, I wasn't anchored in these other things of well-being. Um, that's the, that's the tension that I feel like I, I've been uncovering as I've been spending, uh, time walking through very specific aspects of well-being is that if you're only pursuing one and you're not conscious of the, all the others, it is very easy to be incredibly unhealthy, mm-hmm. right? Like, mm-hmm. um, and to, to have a really messed up sense of your well-being because you're so laser focused on that that all the other pieces and all the other areas of your life are just withering. And so, that's what was happening to me is that like I, uh, I was so focused on meeting like these critical needs, which now honestly. I define as one key aspect of my purpose is just finding a need around me and meeting it. Um, but, but for me, it was being done in an, um, with my sense of well-being out of balance. Mm. And when that happens, um, it's super destructive for me personally. And so, so I, yeah, I spun it in the, in the wrong way. And um, what I realized is that sense of imbalance meant that I no longer had control of my purpose. My purpose was, wasn't, wasn't in um, my hands. It was being owned by whatever was on the most fire. <laughs> you know, whichever one was like falling apart the most, whatever need that was, that was where I was placing my purpose. And there's a whole lot of um, uh, freedom when all the other pieces of your well-being are in place so that you can step back in the midst of all these needs that are burning and say, you know what? My purpose isn't to align to meet that need. Like I'm, I'm not going to do that. It's not, it's not who I am. It's not in the sense of um, all the other ways that I know about myself. And that frees you up so that if you're ever in a dream job or in a relationship that at one point, was that like perfect alignment of all those things and all of a sudden you learn something and no it no longer is that's the freedom that you have to quit (laughs) like that's that's always the freedom that like for me that's recognizing that the minute you say well that's out of my hands it's out of my control there's nothing i can do about it i'll just put up with it like Choosing to just put up with that is giving away your purpose. One of the things that was so pivotal for me um, just a couple of months ago, like at the very beginning stages of this was I was in a conversation with somebody who really was like a a hero of mine. um, And uh, I've been somebody I've looked up to and I still do, but I, I looked up to them in a very like idealized way for a long, long time. They were just pivotal, even from a very, from a significant distance, <laughs> they were pivotal in my life. 
Um, and uh, I got into a conversation with them about something that I just sensed was just off and that I disagreed with. Um, and their response to me was, well, I, I felt like I tried everything I could do and it's out of my hands. Um, that's just the way that life is. We just have to like put up with it. It's not, it's not ideal, but it just, it's just the way the life is. And I told them if that's true, then quit. <laughs> like if that's, if this, if this means enough to you, like you say it does. And the true situation is the environment that you're in that you've created um, has fostered this thing that you don't believe in, then quit. Like you have the freedom to walk away and they were not happy about that. <laughs> um, really? Their response that's, was not <laughs> so surprising to me. But I mean, that to me, that was a sense of like, gosh, like, like if I was in that situation from an outside in, like I would have like seen it as in this moment, I've chosen to give my per my purpose, the definition of my purpose, I've chosen to let that be defined by somebody else, by like, especially in this role. And if it's something that just doesn't align to the core of like some of the things that I believe about life, about the equality of all people, about the, the uh, every aspect of humanity being cherished, if that is not celebrated in my work, then the freedom I have of owning and defining my purpose is that I can choose to leave that and go find it elsewhere. Mm. Um, and I don't know, for me, that's been super freeing because uh, the, the two areas of purpose that I, I've been currently defining my life as over the last um, 30 days has been number one, like connecting dots that need to be connected. And number two is meeting needs of people that I believe in and um, of in the midst of that are in the midst of work that I believe in. So like those two things I, I can, I can do whether I'm working for a missions organization or whether I'm working at McDonald's, like I can do those two, those two things no matter where, mm -hmm. because with, with it, you can always find them. So yeah. <laughs> but I, I, th I think that's so, so true. It really, it really is. And that was the, I mean, in my own, in my own story, and I'm going back, you know, I'm going back 10 plus years. Oh my goodness. That's a long time. Mm. But, but that was, <laughs> but that was, that was a pivotal moment of realizing that actually the job was not my purpose, even though the job felt mm. like um, what I would call a calling. It felt like everything that was on mission about my life. Um, you know, it was, it was very, very on brand for me. <laughs> but the reason why it was so on brand is because it was a perfect vehicle for the purpose, for my true purpose, you know, which is that mm. I, I like to help people change the way they think, because if you change the way you think, you can change your life. And so that, mm. that, that purpose was actually the thing that was underlying all of the work that I did in that particular job, helping mm. people see things differently, helping people think about things differently. Um, but mm. making that connection or realizing that actually the job was just the vehicle for the purpose. The purpose was something bigger all along. And in that, and in mm. that purpose being bigger, it was also able to be smaller 
and it was able to be yeah. wider and it was able to be shorter or it was able to be taller because the purpose itself is is big and and malleable and will fill in the space that you give it I think um, which I think speaks to your point about you can take your purpose into a job at McDonald's or you can take your purpose into you know working driving trucks or picking up garbage or mm. you know in so many spaces um, I think that 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 can uh, that that can exist, and so yeah, well, and it it I was silently snapping as you were, <laughs> you were communicating that stuff because that's 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 so that's so exactly how I feel, and in words that I would have never thought to put together. So you've done it again for me, Natasha. <laughs> oh, stop it! You're so <laughs> kind. Um, usually, usually people come on the show and I'm trying to shower them with compliments. Um, what do you think if people were looking for a couple of, um, a couple of pointers, a, a place to get started, mm. a, a jumping off point into finding their purpose or maybe defining their purpose in a way that's, that's, that's broader than just, a, you know, a job or a career or a, um, you mm. know, an idea from your, from your own experience, what, what kind of advice would you give? Yeah, I, I mean, I think that it happens on a very like practical level. Um, number one, I think it's it's choosing to recognize areas where you've where you're hiding, you know, um, in life where where you're choosing to not pursue um, that that purpose fully, or or if you find yourself towing that line of saying. I want to create or find or uncover my passion before I go out and do to like create my purpose somewhere. Um, that's, that can mean so many different things and so many different places um, for, for lots of different people. So there's, there's that aspect um, of just choosing to recognize those points in your life where you're, you're intentionally hiding away from that. You're, you're choosing to not move because you're paralyzed by this idea of, I got to figure out my passion first. And that's just not, it's just not true. Um, the, the other side of it is to constantly look for ways small and large to like challenge yourself and put yourself out outside of your comfort zone, because it could be that what you thought was your purpose was, was actually way too limiting of who you are and the gifts and talents that you have. And, and honestly, like so much of my life in the last four ish years has been defined by this moment where I went through Seth Godin's alt MBA class. Um, and I like on a whim, uh, applied to be a part of it thinking I am just some youth worker in the middle of Midwest, small town, nowhere, there's no way I'm going to get accepted into this class. They only accept a hundred people. Um, and when I got accepted, I didn't know what to do. <laughs> I was like freaking out thinking like, Oh my gosh, I'm going to be the only youth worker in here. And it's sure enough I was, but like that intentional push to like consistently put myself into projects, working with people from CEOs to marketing directors to um, anyone and everyone in between that have all been a part of this this um, experience, uh, they were constantly reminding me and had this rally cry of, if you're not doing the emotional labor of walking into your discomforts, of challenging the things that you thought were true, 
um, and uncovering things that are new about yourself, then you are hiding. You truly are. And if you're in the midst of that, then you're you're not giving yourself a chance to build your passions as you go and, and to create that life that you want as you go. You're choosing to, in some instances, sit back and let your passion try to find you before before you do anything. And one of the things that Terry um, in her TED Talk said that, that I love um, so much is that um, uh, to live a life full of meaning and value, you don't follow your passion, but your passion follows you. And so the idea of just moving, just like choosing to walk into those areas of discomfort and not shut down, to do that emotional labor and continue to move forward, um, that in itself, uh, eventually you'll start to see that your passion is following in your wake um, rather than hoping that it comes and taps you on the shoulder and says, here, come this way, because that just will, will never, never happen. I cannot thank you enough for sharing your story so openly, but also with so much wisdom and insight. Um, Mm. It is, I think, really powerful when people are able to, um, whilst they're still in the midst of journeying, be able to to turn that insight and turn that reflection into um, positive action steps forward for other people. So thank you so much for Mm. um, taking the time to do that. Um, What's next? You've got two months to go. So what are you going to (laughs) be... What are you going to be focused on next? (laughs) So, I mean, for me, my next two are uh, community and environment. So like the question I'm asking, trying to answer for myself on community is what does community look like for me Um, in a world where I've got friends literally all over the world? Like, what does that community look like? How do I create it? Um, And then the third one is, or the final one is the environment, which is what or who has helped or will help me build and maintain uh, an environment where my well-being is celebrated and not torn down. So it's kind of that culmination of like, for me, it's like the like the last coat mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, over everything to kind of like make sure that at the at the end of the day, what are the checkpoints for an environment where all of these pieces of well-being are constantly being held in balance. Um, and we'll we'll see we'll see what life is like at the end of that. Uh, it's fascinating to think of in the midst of uh, this. We're, we're going to be adding a, a human to our family, uh, which will be a new challenge to all of these things. <laughs> but um, uh, but yeah, but that's that's what's next for me. And then just continuing to like to try and embrace that idea of my purpose being connecting dots that need to be connected and uh, helping fix problems that need fixing. Um, those, those two things I think um, will be just as closely tied in with uh, the next two pieces of my pursuit of well-being as, as health as has been from the beginning. And so. Do you have a working definition of, of well-being now? Not yet. Um, not yet. <laughs> okay. Well, when you do, be sure and let me know so that we can share the rest of this. Yeah. Sto- so that we can share the rest of the story with the transformationist community. Thank you so much yeah. for taking the time, and uh, can't wait to hear what happens next. And I'm, uh, I'm glad. I hope I get to be part of the community that you form. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, 
I, I mean, on it, honestly, I, I really appreciate um, being able to share and uh, and being on, on your podcast. It's a thrill. Hi, it's Dash, and it's time for the credits. Thanks for joining us on this episode of The Transformationist. Please subscribe, rate, and review this episode wherever you listen to it, and share it with a friend. Visit thetransformationist.org for links to the resources mentioned in this episode, and to subscribe to our email updates. You can also share your transformation story with us there, and I would love to hear from you. As always, this episode is produced by Michael Yoda at Truthwork Media. Music is by Hans Van Vliet. For more about me and the transformation work I do, check out the website. This show is proudly made possible by Solar Feeder Consulting. <laughs>